It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Cheers. Here's Siddle. He's got it! Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Two Slips in the Gully. It's just a duet tonight. It's the Aaron's A Squared are with you for this episode. G'day Aaron, how are you mate? I'm very well, thank you mate. How are you going? I am really good, ready and raring to go for this one. Been looking forward to it all week. We have got uh, Australia about to take the field again. It's the first T20 International against South Africa about to start in a few hours' time, doesn't really agree with my work schedule, so I might have to watch a replay. But it is pretty exciting because we have three debutantes in this one, so we're going to go through and have a bit of a chat about the upcoming uh, T20 series and everything to look forward to there. And uh, it's getting ever closer to the World Cup. Mm-hmm. It's getting yeah, days ticking away, and there's a lot. Of, there's a lot going on all around the world, actually. Like bits and pieces that are coming out. Yeah, on, the Asia on Cup is the Asia on. Cups going on, and we've got um. Pakistan playing a series against uh, Afghanistan as well, which has been, I've caught a couple, a bit of it, on very, very slow, low sort of tracks, but it's been very interesting. Um, been some competitive games. I mean, been, um, we had another man-cat incident in there to keep yes, things firing up. It's actually to... one of the ones, well, I'm not going to go into it because that's not one of the things I've got scheduled for tonight's episode, but it's one of the ones I don't disagree with. Yeah. Because yeah. Shadab Khan left well before he hit the, the delivery stride. The ones that I disagree with are the ones where the bowlers come running in knowing that they're going to hang on to the ball to trick the batsman. So the batsmen are trying to do what the batsmen are supposed to do. They're trying to gain what advantage they can legally. And you can see most of them leaving the crease. You know, you're, you're talking fractions of a second, like frames between when the ball is probably supposed to leave the hand or even when the ball's supposed to leave the hand and the bowler hangs onto it to the, for the purpose of taking it yeah. off. Those ones aren't cool. Those are not what we should be, uh, you know, we shouldn't be sitting there going, well, it's in the rules. They're the ones we are like, no, nah, I don't like no, that. No, we don't like that. We don't like that. No. But this one, Shadow Khan left way early. 
way earlier. Shaddad was taking the literal. He yeah. was. That, he was. That's one of the ones... Been, and he'd been doing it the whole time he was out there. That's one of the ones perfectly reasonable and I have absolutely no issues with you coming in, taking the bails off because you're not trying to deceive the batsman right at the point of release. The batsman bats- rubbing your nose The in batsman it. is obviously taking an advantage. And they're, they're the ones that are fine. And I'm sure Glenn would be like, it just stay in your cruise no matter what. Yeah. Sorry, Glenn, that's a really horrible Glenn impression. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no, that, that's one I've got absolutely no issues with. I think that's perfectly fine from, from Afghanistan. Uh, Shadab Khan is clearly taking an unfair advantage there, yeah. and that's what the rule's for. I believe, and someone might have to go and check my cricketing knowledge, but I'm pretty sure when the rule was originally brought in, you know, back in the times of Douglas Jardine and all that, that it was supposed to be you had to take the bales off before you came into your... You couldn't do the whole gather or anything. You had to run in and take the bales. And it purely was to stop batsmen leaving while the bowler was running in. And then it's been adapted now that you can come up and over, but if you go past the horizontal and, you know, as long as you've got your finger on your nose and you hop on your leg two times, you know, all this... And so it's it's changed what the spirit of the rule was to begin with, which was to so the batsman the doesn't being, you know running before yeah. the bowlers even bowled the ball. To now we're talking you know splitting hairs on fractions of a second and using mm. bowlers going I run in and pretend I'll trick him and yeah, yeah. so that's nothing. that is the one that we all have a real problem with where you're deceiving the the batsman okay and you and you're able to do it when you're a bowler. Because as a batsman, you have a split vision. You know you want to get, get going, okay? You've got your bat in the crease, and you have every right to anticipate that when the bowler reaches a certain point in his action that he's going to let the ball go. If you've got it in your mind as a bowler, you can just show part of that to the batsman. He's gone, oh, right, well, he's about to let the ball go. I'm about to start off. And then in that split second, he's out of the crease. You've still got the ball in your hand and you're taking the bails off. Yeah. That is not cool. That's not the, that's that's not not, the spirit that's of the That's not rule. what we want. That's not how we want to see games decided. We want to see games decided with the skill of the bowler delivering the ball, the skill of the fielders taking catches or, or run outs, and then the skill of the batter actually hitting the ball. We don't want technicalities. Yeah. You know, but yeah, I digress. We're going too far. Um, so what I'm at point was with the World Cup is it's getting close. So we've got to finish off our one-day international world tour with uh, the best one-day international sides for each nation. And uh, this time we've, we're, we're joining our neighbours over the ditch. We're heading to New Zealand. We're heading over the Dutch. The, uh, the, per- fish and chips. The, the perennial team that punches above their weight. Yes, they're the little engine that could, aren't they? They have been to the last two World Cup finals and come up as bridesmaids. This is a team that, when you look at the demographics of New Zealand, um, you know, what, there's 5 million people that live there, you know, 5,999,900 of them play rugby, mm-hmm. and there's a teeny tiny pool of players you pick from to play cricket. Like, it's it's yeah. ridiculous. When you look at that, it's, it's not a cricket-mad country. And uh, for a long, long period of time, this team has produced a team that, uh, you know, gives no quarter, plays better than it should, you know, cuts giants down at the knees. Uh, has overachieved Overachieved massively. It's always in the mix in the big tournaments. They're and, always around there and they're always playing well. And, the, the, and the inaugural World Test um, Yes. Test champions. So, yeah, we're going to have a look in and see some of the wonderful players that have represented the yeah, the Kiwis over over their one-day history and see which ones of them have made the cut as our 
all-time one-day international 11 for them. So all of that is coming up right after this. Got it! Patrick beautifully bowled. Well Game one of the T20 International Series between Australia and South Africa kicks off, well, this evening. It's actually tomorrow morning, 2 a.m. our time. Yeah, so I don't um, think that uh, having to you know, work for a living is going to agree with me watching this one live. So I'll have to probably watch a replay of that one. It's uh, well, the I, first I don't t- want to rub your nose in it, but I could probably stay up and watch it if I really wanted to because I've got a late <laughs> start, but... I'm falling in solidarity with you. So we'll both watch it on replay. Nice. Uh, so there's been a bit of a change from the uh, uh, the white ball squad we announced a few podcasts ago. Yes. A few big names have gone yes. home. Uh, Smith is nursing a, an injury that he sustained at Lords. He's not ready to come back. Uh, Starkey is obviously not there. Glenn Maxwell has pulled out as well. Actually, I don't think Maxwell's in this one, but he's not going to come for the one day as he's been replaced by Matt Wade of all... Yeah. considerations. I thought that was a bit odd. I suppose yeah. they're just going for some bit of experience to lead the young guys around yeah. the pack. Uh, just another puzzling selection from a group that keep puzzling us uh, often. I've got no particular issues with Matt Wade, the player, but you would think that, all right, so we've just this lost, is a, our chance we've to lost a top order all-rounder. Let's maybe yeah. see if we can find it, like a top order bat that we want to blood. Yeah. But again, you know, there's the argument to be had too with a lot of these experienced guys missing out that we're, we're going to go with... Um, you know, someone who's been there before, knows the score, played international cricket, yeah. um, and just making sure that you know they're not all getting lost. You know, hurting the hurting the cats together. <laughs> um, Mitchell Marsh is the uh, captain for this this series. This um, is going to be very interesting, isn't it? Again, say? we spoke about it ad nauseum how um, we're a bit sort of shocked that he hasn't just been announced as the white ball captain, but we've been told he's only the captain for the for the series, and we went through about how we just don't understand how they haven't got their ducks in a row. It's been nine months since our last T20 game. Why are we auditioning? Why has it not been worked out ahead of time? But this is where we are. But he's announced his first 11, and we have three debutantes in the 11, which I'm very – this is what I'm excited about. Yeah, this is this is what we want to see in the T20 squad. We need new blood in there. We need – we need just something different, a different direction from the way that it's just ambled along over the last few years. I think Mitch Marsh is a captain. It'll be very interesting to see what he's like tactically. Um, if he brings the same approach to his captaincy as what he brings to his batting, we might be in for some fireworks. Hmm. Um, the one I'm really, really excited about is Spencer Johnson. Yeah. So, this, this guy just looks like an absolute monster. So I'll run through the 11. So Matt Short and Travis Head have been announced as the new look opening partnership for this uh, T20 side. No David it. Warner, no Aaron Finch. I so the, I'm loving this, eh? Right-left combination. Yeah. Love it. Mitch Marsh taking up his normal spot at three for the T20 side. Uh, Josh Inglis is taking the gloves at four. Um, and we've got Marcus Stoinis, uh, Tim David, Aaron Hardy is the second of our debutants getting a crack after a couple of really good years domestically in Australia in all formats, really. Yeah. Uh, Sean Abbott, Nathan Ellis, Adam Zampa, and as you said, the one that we're pretty excited about, Spencer Johnson, who has been devastating in everything he's touched has turned into gold in the last 12 months. He had a, an absolutely stunning big bash, which he then turned into... Uh, a good second half of the Sheffield Shield for South Australia. Yeah. Uh, he's gone over to the 100 and been one of the big ticket items over there. Was it four for one yeah. off his, you know, his if four you get a, overs? If you get a chance to have a look at that on YouTube, the Spencer Johnson um, 
just reign of destruction that he cut through this team. Well, I watched the I watched the game where Joe Root came out and reverse ramped him for six. Yeah. Um, and it was not a it was not a bad ball that he ramped. And then yeah. Johnson's just come out, kept his cool, yeah. and then he's bowled him this little length ball that's nipped back and just clipped the bales off. Just yeah. happy as you like, go, all right, no, 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 he's hit me for six, cool, I got this, and then just yeah. come back, no fuss, no muss, just come in yeah. and went, all right, this is Great. Moving on. There wasn't this sort of, oh, God, he's hit me for... And just the panic. It was the... He shows a lot of composure for a guy that doesn't have a lot of... Experience. Experience. Yeah. Um, and the, the thing I'm, I'm really excited about is that he's a different he's a different left arm quick to what Starkey is. Starkey's very slingy and comes from a very a very awkward position with the ball and it has a slightly round armish action when he's bowling at his best. Mm. Spencer Johnson is very straight up and down, which means he's much more direct at the batsman, and he does swing the he swings the ball quite late, whereas Starkey can be a little bit out of the hand. At and times. the other thing too, and they talked about it quite a lot, especially because the topic of short ball short pitch bowling was you know quite prevalent during the Ashes. That with that slinging action, it's a lot harder for Starkey to bowl those like Mitchell Johnson esque. Yeah. You know, rip your face off bounces. Whereas yeah. I think Spencer Johnson will be a lot like He's his namesake, much, yeah, and be able much. to get those balls that come at the bat. You know, that that you know that you know and something that's really hard to quantify. That heavy ball bowler, yeah, sort of, and that nasty spot just between your nipples and your and your nose. That's where you really don't want the ball to be. And he seems to get it there pretty regularly when he bowls his short ball. Um, and good clip. I mean, he's regularly hitting hundred and forty plus. Um, yeah, it's exciting times and some new blood. I mean, it's really, really good to see that somebody's been rewarded for, for you know, bursting on the scene. And it hasn't been a flash in the pan. He went over to the 100 um, and absolutely destroyed them over there. He's done well in first-class cricket. He's done well in the Big Bash. I mean, he was probably close to one of the players of the, of the season last year in the Big Bash. And he deserves his chance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, moving on that too. Like so, the other blokes we've got, you know, um, Matt Short. I've been talking about for quite a while. I'm happy yeah. to see him get his shot because I think and as an opener too. Yeah, that's what I like to see in this. He's he's opening the batting where he's been really successful for the strikers. Yeah, let's we, get, let's give these guys a chance to succeed at what they've already succeeded at. And and I think and I, I like to see him depending on conditions if he gets a couple of overs because yeah. um yeah I think handy he, in I, India. I think he can be the not necessarily the same production as Glenn Maxwell, but he yeah. can offer the same flexibility in terms of his skill set. Maxwell is incredibly valued to us because it allows us to play a legitimate second spinner because at, at T20 level, yeah, he, is, he is a legitimate option. He's not going to be like your Rashid Khan's or your Zampas or anything like that, but he'll give you and he, you know, he'll give you one, two, three, or four overs. You can quite confidently give him four overs if the game suits. You can yeah. give him, um, and he's a guy that can bat in the the, the top five, yeah. which gives and, you that and flexibility. And he's a bit of a golden arm with his bowling as well. It's nothing for him to come on and jag a wicket in the first over or something. Yeah, like and, that. and that's the other thing is he's quite comfortable bowling in the power play, which he did a couple of times in the IPL. Yeah. He did regularly for the strikers. Yeah. So this is a guy that's you know, you can you can plug him in wherever you do. You know, a lot of captains like to try and you know. First over, first couple of overs of the game, maybe steal an over before the batsman gets set. Exactly. Like they see a spinner and go, oh, I don't want to get out to the spinner in first over. And you, yeah. you know, that over goes for you know, two or three, and all yeah. of a sudden you're, you know, you've got the momentum. Got some momentum. So yeah. 
I like to hopefully see him being able to be utilised in that in that manner if the yeah. conditions suit. Because I think that yeah, when well, Maxwell, I, I, we, I think we really look on him as he sort sort of Maxwell's heir apparent in the Australian squad, isn't he? You know, he's the sort of guy. Who, he's a much more conventional batsman, so I don't yes. think we're ever going to see the switch hits and the ramps and all the the you know the funky stuff. That but Maxwell he doesn't did. really need to. His skill but, set allows him to play in that way and still be successful. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I, I really iron him off as possibly the the successor to Maxwell at some stage because I mean Maxwell's injured again and um, not young yeah and not young so um, and this could be in theory this is the time in a cricketer's life you know you're coming in your late twenties your early thirties that's when you're at your best that's when you've got the most to offer you've learned the lessons I would you need imagine that Maxwell is targeting the World Cup and from that point Australia should be looking elsewhere after that like you need yeah. to start. Yeah, blooding the new players like you know Maxwell's got the pedigree, and if his form, you know his um, you know franchise cricket form holds, yeah, um, yeah he should be given every consideration for the World Cup. But at some point, you've got to, as an administration, you've got to you've got to cut the umbilical cord and go right. Yeah. Thank you. And this is, many this is one of our criticisms of of the previous selection systems, where too many people have been held onto for too long. And we'll get um, to decide when they want to go. Yeah, when they... you know, putting out public pronouncements, or I'm going to retire after the World Cup in India, or I'm going to retire after the SCG test, or or whatever it happens to be, which really gets in mind. Mm-hmm. You know, you 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 get told when you're going to finish, mate. You don't tell anybody; they tell you. Uh, and I suppose uh, touching on the final debutant, Aaron Hardy, this is a guy that has oh, been... Well, this has just been inevitable, hasn't it? I can't see him getting much of a bowl, no, to be no, honest. No, can I? And I, I figure that I'm thinking he's going to bat five. I reckon I'll push him up around about four or five. You reckon? Yeah. I, can, I don't know about... Certainly if situation allows it, I think they want to... If they're smart, they're going to give these, these guys everything. Johnson's going to bowl his four overs and we're going to give Hardy and Short the opportunity to face as many balls as possible. I think they're envisioning Hardy being a guy that they're just going to go out with a licence. I think he's going to be he and Tim David are just going to be. You go out. They're so going to, six and seven, you reckon? Yeah, I think they're going to be. If they like, they might come up if say Short and Travis Head get the get going and there's not enough balls left. But I think the plan will be to, to play them as late in the innings as they can afford yeah. Yeah. to just go out clear mind, clear the front foot, hit it over the you know into the stands. Yeah. I don't think because you know Stoinis is the the more experienced of the bunch and typically is a guy that likes to spend a little bit of time to get going yeah, if he okay. can get away with it. He, he continues to me to be that big question mark sitting in that middle order. Do Why are we persisting with him? Oh, he's experienced and it's, it's you know, I suppose he, he's one of those all-round, like he played his very best game for Australia in the first game he ever played. Mm. And, you know, he's shown flashes inconsistently of him being, you know, a match winner with either discipline for Australia. But then you go and watch him playing in... Um, the sh- into the in domestic franchises, and you just see him just absolutely dominating at times. So uh, it's just one of those ones that the you know he's been around for a while. He's the experienced. He's faced that. And he's bowlers a lot. So, um, a but lot I, of- I would think with with you know with Marsh, with Hardy, with um you know these guys all starting to come through. Your Hayden yeah. Kerr's, your your Will Sutherland's, you know the yeah. young your Cam Greens. Obviously, I you know I'd say that Stoin's days are are numbered. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, at the moment he's he probably deserves to still be there just. But yeah, he, his grasp on that is yeah. becoming more and more tenuous. The more that guys like Aaron Aaron Hardy starts having a really you know really big series, and 
you know, the big bash is coming up. If someone like Cam Green gets a bit of time, obviously after the, the test games, he gets in and has, you know, a, a strong, you know, all these sort of young kids coming up yeah. that it's going to be hard, harder and harder to justify um, an all-rounder like Stoinis that sometimes follows. Yeah, and, you, and quite frankly, doesn't really bring that much with the ball. Either. I've, I've, at the very best, he's a batting all-rounder. Yeah. At his very best. Whereas we've got guys like Hardy and Green and Kerr. Not so much Kerr. He's probably more of a bowling all-rounder. Adam Sutherland has taken another step up to them where he's a genuine option in, in both disciplines as well. Why are we persisting with a, with an old guy who was part of the old guard? You know, like the other guys are going. They're gone. Well, we I, need to I, really be looking to move. I, I would imagine that a considerable amount of that old guard will be back for the World Cup. I yeah. imagine that Warner will be persisted with because... He'll be persistent. Um, yeah. You know, you'll get Stark and Cummins, I imagine, will come back for the World That's Cup. That's fine. You'll imagine you'll get, you'll get Stoyness come back. You'll get um, Smith come back. So I don't think they're quite ready to give up on that, which I, I think is wrong. I think it was a really good opportunity. It was a very disappointing World Cup campaign at home. We missed the yeah. semis. Um, a lot of that guard is, you know, well into their into their thirties. It's an opportunity now to just go cut the cord and go right. Well, we had three three cracks. Yep, three cracks. Four was it? Four cracks. That's at least three with that. Mate. Uh, at least three. At least three with the with that squad. You yeah. know, there's some changes obviously, but with the majority of that squad, they've had three cracks. One, one missed the semis on the other ones. Yeah. Um. So it's like, all right, cool. You're getting on a bit now. Let's let's start again. Let's get a new captain in. We've got some young, exciting players that are making their names for themselves, not only here but also abroad, um, and start building. It might not be the 2024 World Cup we win, but it might be the 2026 one that we get because we've get these guys into them as opposed to stretching these guys out for what on average looks like it'll be a, another failed World Cup campaign in 2024 just on yeah. you know past statistics. And then you've only got two years to go and get these guys ready to go for a World Cup. And if they're not ready for their first World Cup, then we're looking at 2028 mm-hmm. before these guys get the class. So it's just, you know, and we're just... gone through another generation. We're just sort of staggering our... Yeah. We're staggering our teams poorly, I, I feel. Yeah. But um, just moving to the South Africans really quickly before we jump on. Um, so there's a few big names that are being rested, but there's still quite a few uh, exciting ones there. So... Uh, Aiden Markram is the captain. Quinton de Kock is back for uh, for South Africa. Um, you know, Reza Hendricks is a big name. Einrich Klassen has absolutely devastated uh, not only the 100, but the Major League Cricket. David Miller, Ngidi, Norkia, uh, Tristan Stubbs. Um, he's, he's an exciting player, isn't he, that Tristan Stubbs? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he, looks like, he looks really, really good. Uh, Riley Rousseau, who you know is either going to score a hundred or nothing. Or so, nothing, yeah. <laughs> uh, great, great player, but horrible consistency issues. Yeah. So yeah, there's some really big names there. It's going to be uh, a really exciting series, I think, and uh, and I think from South Africa's point of view that they're uh, they would be pretty fired up. They'll be fired up to get this done, and there's yeah. some they've got some names for the future. They're obviously they're wanting to get as much cricket into as well ahead mm-hmm. of the 2024 World Cup. So um, yeah, it's going to be. It's going to be a great series. Yeah, well, we've kind of touched on some of the issues that we feel that South African cricket have gone through, and we won't go down that rabbit hole at this point in time. There is no doubt that there's something about Australia playing South Africa. It doesn't matter what the format is. Oh, look, I I love Australia-South African series. There's a very, very intense 
And with the, the exception of the last one we had, rivalry. Um, they've all been fantastic, yeah. fantastic examples of yeah. of cricket. Um, yeah, I, honestly, if it wasn't for the Ashes, I would quite happily watch uh, home and away Australia South Africa series. I think they're most of the time they're absolutely gripping cricket. Yeah, and for some reason in South Africa we seem to get really, really exciting games. Like some of the best Australia. Um, South Africa games have actually been in South Africa. I, I just think it's fantastic that uh, it's one of the few away series we actually win. Yeah, is um, when we go over. Oh, there was some ridiculous stat that w- they hadn't beaten us at home, like in South Africa, for yeah. like fifteen years, yeah. and then we were in a sort of a similar boat. It was nearly ten years or something like that yeah, since we'd beaten South yeah. Africa on our shore. We just yeah. kept you know rocking up to each other's backyard and, and beating it. the crap out of each other. <laughs> It was great. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited. One day is obviously be coming up after that, and that's probably one of them. Yeah. I really do enjoy my one-day international cricket. So not quite as much as a test, but I really it, it, it pains me how little one-day international cricket gets played and how how little it's valued. How little days. it's valued. But um, it's, it's going to be good. White ball cricket coming up. It's probably not going to be at a time that we can properly enjoy it, but all the same. Thank goodness for KO. <laughs> KO minis. All right, right after this, guys, we're going to get stuck into the New Zealand one day, all time one day international side. It's got him! Knocked him over! The pressure was too much! Uh, here we are, another all-time one-day international segment. As you know, if you've been following the podcast for a while, we've been going around and doing, uh, similar to last year, we did our all-time test 11s per country. We've now been going through gearing up towards the upcoming one-day international World Cup. We've been doing one-day international sides by each nation where we're going to we're going to go through the names. We haven't got an 11 in mind. We've got ideas for who's going to be playing each position. And uh, normally we like to have three so we can sort of get a bit of a majority rules, but uh, if not, we've come down to a bit of a coin flip. Yes, um, we've, used, we've used the coin flip twice now, I think, haven't we? Yeah, twice, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Twice. Um, and, and both times I've lost. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not keen. It's my, my lucky coin. We'll see how we go. It's got two tails. I was going to say, it's got two tails or something like that. Uh, but yeah, so that's what we do. So we go through and we'll, we'll argue the points of, um, you, know, you know, Aaron might have a particular opener in mind and I might have a different one. And then it's going to see whether or not we can um, convince the other that, uh, you know, which person's got the stronger case. We're very which... congenial people. We usually come to some type of agreement. Yes, yes, we do. Uh, and uh, one thing we always like to point out is that one-day cricket has evolved a hell of a lot more than what Test cricket has over the uh, the course of when it started. So uh, I give the same spiel most times when I'm doing it. So obviously, you know, when one day is first started, if you walked off the field with about 240, you know, the other team was packing their bags and heading for the bus because there's no point. They're going to chase down 240. That's a match-winning score. Um, we've got no chance. And as we know now, 240 is you know, most likely going to be well below par and you're up against it. So uh, it's been, in terms of pure statistics, it's obviously a lot easier for a batsman to look more impressive. So, for example, um, Sir Vivian Richards is the best one-day international batsman of all time. Don't come at me with your Virat Kohli's. Sir Vivian Richards is the best one-day international player of all time. His record on paper is is inferior to Johnny Bairstow when you're looking at total runs, hundreds, fifties, strike rate. But 
Are you comparing Johnny Bairstow to Sir Vivian Isaac Alexander Richards? No one in their right mind is going to come out and convince you that Johnny Bairstow is a better player than Sir Vivian Richards. <laughs> so, and that's what we no, mean. We so, the, the the stats change. Um, the stats have evolved. You know, teams are now scoring. You know. 350 a whole lot more regularly than teams were even scoring 290. Well, even just in, in the, the, in the um, uh, Afghanistan Pakistan game, par in those in those games has been around about 290 300. And yeah, and if you're going back to the, the year of the first couple of World Cups, you're looking at 230 240 is probably and, they, and then those they, they were originally 60 over tournaments, yeah. So they were making like 240 and 60 over or 230 and 60 overs. So there's been an ex, there's been a, an expectation shift about how the game is being played. So, not so we don't just discount all of those players, we put a lot of weighting on how good they were when you know in the the context that they were expected yeah. to be, and we do like to use the ICC rankings. Yeah, as well. that's been a, it's that's been, been a bit of a guide for us. So obviously, we try to not make it as murky and as uh, you know, we try to keep, you know, as subjective. We like to put some sort of hard, and obviously, it's not a perfect system. But for example, um, you know, David Gower is a good one from England. He has got one of the highest one-day international rankings ever. His one-day ICC one-day international ranking is higher than Virat Kohli's. Now, Virat Kohli, I've got comfortably as the second best one-day international batsman because some of his, the stuff that he has done as a one-day batsman in his prime is obscenely good, like yeah. obscenely good. If it's not if it's not Saviv, it's Virat. Yeah. Those are your two options. David Gower, according to those rankings, has had a higher peak than what Kohli has. So, And that is because during, you know, the expectations on those players were were different, so it's a way of sort of just making sure that these guys that were playing in the you know the eighties and all that, where you're only scoring you know two hundred and fifty, aren't just getting outvoted due to a, a weight of, of statistical, a statistical load. Yeah. So uh, with all that, we're going to get stuck into it, and as we always do, we're going to start with the openers, and I think. I'm not going to be too bold and say opener number one is one that we're not going to disagree on, and that's going to be Brendan McCullum. Um, yeah, first guy, first guy I picked in in this team basically for me from in terms of order and yeah, in terms of order, in terms of just brilliance, in terms of brutality, a great captain and just an absolute destructive force as a batsman. Um, and, first guy I picked, and he's an he's an example as well of someone that the the numbers don't reflect his value to the side. So when you're looking at that, he's got 6,000 runs, 500s, 32.50s, only an average of 30. Yeah. Uh, strike rate of 96. Mm-hmm. But if anyone who watched the 2015 World Cup knows the value that McCullum can bring exceeds those numbers. Yeah. He's obviously, I'm assuming you've got him as the wicket keeper. You're he not does. going to be playing anyone else's keeper. I yeah. don't have a, another yeah. keeper in mind. Well, there was um, two options for me with... With um, the wicket keeper, and both of them opened the batting. Okay, so you had McCullum, you also had Tom Latham, who's, who's basically the custodian for the one day team at the moment. Um, a fine player in his own right. Don't think he's quite yeah. all time level, but no. yeah, he, he's another option as well. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's it. And I know, I know we're going to have disagreements because we've sort of had a little bit of a chat outside of the podcast. We're going to have a disagreement on this one. So who have you got? As your... Um, I have Martin Guptill. Martin Guptill, yep. A very, very fine player. I believe he's the 
only, just checking now, the only double centurion for New Zealand in one yeah. day internationals. I've seen that innings and it was just oh, it was a, a, brutal. a massacre. Brutal. Uh, just shy of 7,500 runs. As we said, a high score of 237, not out. 18 one-day international hundreds, 39.50s, average of 41, strike rate of 87. Brilliant, brilliant player. Um, I'm going to go uh, with Nathan Astle was my opener. Um, and when you consider that also the, the different eras they played in, I think that the disparity between their numbers sort of evens out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so 7,000 runs. He did play 30 more games. So... Uh, 1600s, 4150s, an average of 35, uh, strike rate of 72. So when you're partnering up with McCullum, this is sort of the guy that can go a bit long. But I just want to point out the other string to Astle's bow. Is the bowling. Is the bowling. So um, I'm just going to find his numbers here. I don't know why I didn't. It's well over 150 wickets, I believe, or 130 wickets or something like that. So, no, not quite. It's 99 wickets no, at 38. Um, so just just another string to his bow. Uh, and I think, yeah, playing in that era, so, like, he, he's played predominantly in um, sort of, you know, what, the late 90s, early 1000s. So, yeah. you know, it hasn't quite evolved. Obviously, it's not – you're not looking at 220 being a winning score level, no. but – it's, it's also gone, it's in it's in that middle phase where you yeah this is before two seventy two eighty two ninety was starting to become a yeah the sort of well this is he for. debuted pre you know that famous Ranatunga sorry uh, Kalawith Rana um, rapid fire Sri Lankan opening blitzkrieg they brought so that was that was revolutionary to cricket at that point people just didn't do that so this is when he sort of debuts that's how far back you know, he goes far back he goes yeah. in terms of. In terms of that, so that's um, well, that's my vote who I'd go to, and uh, you came up with another option as well. Um, yeah, if I wasn't going with Martin Guptill, and that's not to to underestimate Nathan Aspel as well, because he is very. I mean, we're going to be discussing this one, folks. Um, I also would have went with Stephen Fleming to open the batting with um, McCallum. Yeah, so Fleming, he's their their second leading. Run score all time, I believe. Yeah, yeah right. behind Ross Taylor. Behind Ross Taylor. Um, so he's got just under, just over eight thousand runs, I should say. Um, only eight hundreds, forty nine fifties. Average of thirty two. Um, uh, strike rate of seventy one. So you know, very comparable. Um, did play you know, two hundred eighty games. Man, he was he was around for a long time, wasn't he, Flimmer? Yeah, and he was a very very good captain as well. Oh, he, um, Damien so, Martin hated him. Yeah. <laughs> he had Damien Martin on the lockdown. Yeah, he did. Um, yeah, so I actually remember that that period where Martin couldn't couldn't get a run. They just, they just put like three points in, and yeah. then they just bowl it outside off, and Martin would get out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, um, he was my other option in in the opening role. Um, you could also probably bat him a little bit lower, but I wouldn't do that. If he's going to be in the team for me, he opens. I, I think there's, I think three and four for us are going to be pretty easy. So I think, yeah. and after that, you're getting into, in sort of that late five, six, and I just don't think Fleming yeah, is the no, player that you he want. Won't, no, he, he, like I said, for me, he, if he's going to make the team, he makes the team as the opener with McCullough. All right, so I suppose it comes down. We've got to make a make a choice now. So, oh, I I I'm still leaning Astle. Well, you know, 
when you're comparing, you know, your stats are fairly similar in terms of, you know, total runs, total hundreds, total fifties. Yeah. Uh, when you compare compare errors, and when you consider you've got McCullum at the other end who can be, you know, a flash in the pan at times. We all saw yeah. the 2015 World Cup final. Yeah. Um, I think a guy like Astor, who's a guy that can just settle in, play the long game, looks after himself, um, just and, go and, on it. And can be extremely destructive when he needs to be as well. Um, look, I would have no problem with Astor being in the team. So you're you're happy to move off off of Guptal? Well, the thing about the thing about Astor is the 99 wickets. Okay, that to me, with the sort of balance of the team that you're looking to have, you want to have guys who you can throw the ball to for a few overs to 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 get you out of a bit of a, a bind. Guptal doesn't do that, um, although he is a superior fieldsman, but. Um, Astor was a pretty fine fielder in his own right as well. So um, I'm happy to go with um, Nathan Astle. Well, I'm just having a look now. Um, so Nathan Astle actually at one point was ranked as high as uh, second, was it second or third in the, third in the world yeah. for um, one-day one international yeah. batting. Yeah. And um, I'm just having a look now at... Um, at uh, Martin Guptools, and for batting, the height, it's still very impressive, I say only, but he only made it as high as fifth, yeah. but still, that's incredibly impressive. So I think, yeah, much of a muchness. We'll, but... we'll, we'll bounce towards the uh, ICC rankings, and we'll go with um, Nathan Astle. Cool. All right. So our openers are uh, McCullum and, and, Astle. and Astle. Not a bad start. Uh, I think... If I'm right, we can just lock in three. Yeah, yeah and Kane move on. Williamson. Kane Williamson. Um, I, like, he will be a New Zealand's best batsman ever. If people don't consider him already, it couldn't be that far away. Yeah, this, yeah. Uh, 161 games, just shy of 7,000 runs, 1,300s, 4,250s, averaging just under 50 in a one-day international, going in a strike rate of 81. Yeah. Um, brilliant fielder. Uh, doesn't bowl much anymore, but was a handy uh, or handy off-spinner. And just, uh, I haven't got any captain. I think we've got to go McCullum. Probably considering he yeah. built that that, yeah. that generation. McCullum of... captains my team, and, but, that's, uh, and that's not a criticism of of Kane or even Stephen Fleming mm-hmm. if he had a made team. But McCullum is a talismanic captain, a guy who everybody wants to follow, who want who want you know who people want them to lead. And yeah, he would be my first choice for captain. Cool. All right. Well, there is easy. Moving on. Uh, I think this one's going to be as equally easy. Uh, that is, of course, the all-time leading one-day international run scorer. Uh, just you know, almost 9,000 one-day international runs. Top scorer, 181 not out. 2100s, 5150s, uh, averaging 47.5, strike rate of 83. And that is, of course, Ross Taylor. Yeah. Um, not a problem. Ross Taylor. Incredible. In- yeah. and, ju- and aged so well in terms yeah. like there wasn't a dramatic drop. He just no. plugged away, did his work. Um, was just really, really good for a really, really long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Real key linchpin in the success of that side. Oh, absolutely, a lot of the, a lot of what New Zealand achieved over the past decade, in particular, has been on the bat of Ross Taylor. All right, I know this one is where we're going to start getting a little bit interesting. It's not just going to be listening to the two Aaron's agree with each other about how good Kiwi batsmen are. Um, I've got a bit of a left field one for. Um, for number five, and that is, I'm going to go with Martin Crow as the the number five. Mm, 
Um, I, yeah, no. No? No. All right. Well, let me, let me just make my case and then, um, and then we'll go, we'll go with other options. So the reason I'm going Martin Crow is, so we'll look at his numbers first off, nearly 5,000 one-day runs, uh, 400s, 3450s, nearly average 40, strike rate of 72. And this was in an era when, I'm yeah. sorry to say, Kiwi fans, but you guys weren't very good. Yeah. Played in the 80s. So a lot of those ones where you're talking about pure volume, you can scale that right back. And I think 38 playing in the 80s, is batting 4 That's equivalent to averaging like 45, 46 these days. Um, it and actually he, pained me to, to be on the contrary side of Martin Crowe because I'm a big fan of his. But um, I just... I'm sort of leaning a little bit more towards somebody like a. We need a left hander in there. I was looking at somebody like a, a Henry Nichols. You re- you reckon Henry Nichols is has done enough to warrant a, a an all time spot? Well, I think he's a pretty good record. Oh no doubt. So, but he's only played the sixty six games. We've got yeah. quite a few ahead of him in terms of in terms of tenure. Yeah. So. Um, Nichols, 66 games, 1,700 runs, 100, 1350s going at a strike rate of 80, um, uh, average of 35. Yeah, I just like what he brings to, to their team. He's that attacking um, and a game changer in that middle order for them. I just think you really want to have some guy who can come in up the tempo in that, in that middle order. Um, another guy who... Maybe possibly a little bit high in the order for him, but who I'd have no problem putting out there would be someone like Chris Cairns. Well, I've got Cairns, but I've got him next. Okay. Because um, I've got, well, I've got two big hitting all-rounders uh, as in my thoughts next, which yeah. is why I wasn't too fussed without having another sort of, you know, not plodder, but another sort of batsman just to keep things ticking along because I know I've got, some some hitting down the order, which is why I was leading towards towards Crow. And I, and I think when you look at it, and here's something that I didn't realise until I started the research from here, Crow actually made it, like, in that era to number two. Yeah. And I'm thinking that's probably got to be Viv. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's the one... You've been behind Viv Richards, for sure. And... Um, you know, I just can't make an argument against that. When you... You know, when you, we, we've talked about a lot when we've done these is that... Um, We've given a lot of favour to to batters that carry struggling teams, and yeah. as you know, I don't want to disrespect New Zealand in any way, but during that era, that was exactly what Martin Crow was doing. He was yeah. he was legitimising a, a side that if it wasn't for him is probably you know there are a few guns short of an arsenal there. Well, you know your your argument to me has swayed me back that way because I certainly had Martin Crow under consideration, but I was looking maybe being a little bit funky at times trying to to rejig something that's not really there. So Martin Crow, you probably want him coming in a little bit higher, but certainly you could handle batting it. Well, it five. could be the option maybe that we could flip Taylor, who is a bit more of a naturally dynamic hitter, yeah. um, and have Crow being in that four spot. Similar yeah. to maybe how Australia used Smith and Labuschagne yeah. at at three and four as the guys that they usually like to re, you know to yeah. steady the innings, and then you could go with uh you know and there's no issues. Taylor will find the boundary, so yeah. it might be a case that we flip that around and we go Taylor at five, 
Um, just and, so, it four. and just so you know, there's more opportunity for um, for Taylor to be batting deeper in the innings. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, if you're happy with that, I think we could probably um, move on. Yeah, go on to Chris Cairns. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, Chris Cairns, I've got six. I don't think there's too much argument there. Um, nearly five thousand runs, four hundreds, twenty six fifties, averaging twenty nine, strike rate of of uh, eighty. 84, I remember him playing just some absolutely crushing innings against us at times. Oh, yeah. It's always talked about we come out and the commentators would immediately go, we've got to be careful here. Yeah. Uh, played in the, you know, he debuted in the big, the early 90s yeah. and has a strike career strike rate in the 80s. That's yeah. that's not bad going. Yeah. And obviously the flip side of that is he's got 201 one-day international wickets yeah. at 32. And, you, and like, we've batted four, five, six and open to bowling. Yeah, you know, so yeah, he's he's in the team for sure, and he's another talismanic guy as well. Yeah. So, do you imagine? You know, let's say McCullum doesn't get out, and you get down there, and you've got McCullum on a tear. Yeah. You know, a you know eighty ninety not out heading into the close, and then you know we lose a wicket, and then Chris Cairns comes in. So you've got McCullum teeing off from one end, and Chris Cairns trotting out with that just yeah. cannon that he bring to the crew. Oh man, good luck, good luck closing to that. Yeah. Um, Cool, easy. There we go. Nicely done. Um, this is where we, we are going to probably diverge a little bit, um, although probably not too much because I've really, because I've got a wicket keeper open in the batting, I've gone five bowlers. Yeah, well, I've got another bowler here. I've gone, well, it's an all-rounder, but uh, probably more of a bowling all-rounder, uh, but still quite a dangerous hitter. I've gone Jacob Oram. Okay. He's there, one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh all-time wicket-taker for New Zealand, 173 wickets at 29, um, strike rate of 39. Uh, I just remember him being, again, a, a real big late-order finisher for him. He'd come out and just hit boundary. Like, and that's probably one of the reasons I've, I've gone those ways is not only is, is he a really good bowler, but he's yeah. a guy that would find, find boundary. So... Yeah. His average isn't particularly impressive. It's only 24, but he's got 13 50s, 100. That 100 was um, against us, by the way. He yeah. absolutely murdered us. Uh, but the strike rate of 86 when you started your career in the early thousands, that's yeah. the bit that I'm leaning towards. That's who I've got at, at seven as a bit of a you know big, tall, mm-hmm. hard-hitting finisher. And I remember him having quite a number of, um, like, just I don't remember off the top of my head exactly, but I just remember him being very effectual in in World Cups as well. Yeah. A couple of really important innings. Yeah, I I would have no problem with that. I was I was looking at another a, a, a sort of a different type of an all rounder. I was looking at um Chris Harris. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Chris Harris. I remember him. Yeah. Certainly not as dynamic as Jacob Warren. No, but what I liked about Chris Harris is just the way the way he could control an innings with the ball. Um, he was the guy who'd come on and just go for no runs because nobody could pick him, could nobody could give you no pace. You couldn't hit him off the square. Um, an absolutely brilliant fielder, a wonderful a wonderful player with a bat lower down the order as well. The, th- the thing that would, would tip me away from that, and I do remember Harris being, um, you know, 
quite a handful of times, but he only has a strike rate in, of 67. Mm. So I think it's probably at seven. That's probably not high enough. Yeah. Um, he's also, while he was wily, he sort of really lacked penetration uh, in terms of taking wickets. So I suppose it's not a big deal because we're going to have a really good bowling attack, yeah. but his strike rate's in the 50s and his average is 37. Yeah. But I'm he's just a, looking at the, from the point of view as he's a guy in coming and he'll... he'll tie up an end for you where you can attack from the other end. I just I think when you've got guys like maybe like Astle who's gonna probably do that sort of job. Yeah. That I think Astle's a bit more of a a bit more of a liability in doing that sort of job. Because well if you're gonna go so we've got uh, we've got Cairns at six, we've got a, all, another all rounder at seven, we're gonna have Vittoria will be in there somewhere. So then we've got three more quick. So we've actually got fifty overs before we even get to Astle or Vittori yeah. in terms of um, of bowling pace. So I think that at that point as well, you want a bit of string your bow in terms of in terms of your batting because some of these guys might not get. Yeah. Like when you when you've got you know your three quicks, your three main quicks and Vittori, there's forty overs. We've picked Cairns, and Cairns will most likely bowl ten. Yeah. So, you know, there's I think you've got to have a little bit of Difference with your um with the bat, and in terms of that, I think Orem. If, yeah. if it's coming down Orem, between Orem yeah. or Orem, will bring more for you from the point of view that he will he'll find the boundary. Yeah, he'll finish he'll, innings yeah, for you. Yeah, he'll finish innings for you. So yeah, I think uh, uh, I think Harris is the kind of guy that if we were worried about it, we could maybe he's a guy that could go up to you know four. If we lost like two for ten in the first three overs, you might mm. consider putting Harris up there to just sort of steady the ship and then, mm. you know, leaving your big hitters. But I think with what we've got up there that, you know, mm. with Williamson and Crow, yeah. and then Taylor as three, four, five, you'd be yeah. his, his skill set probably doesn't mesh with the team that we've yeah, got. Good call. Yeah, well, um, Jacob Warren, it is then. Cool. Um, Richard Hadley. Yeah, moving on. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, I think right now all we're going to do is squabbling about the, the, the batting lineup for the bowlers yeah. because, um, but no, let's talk about uh, Sir Richard. Um, 158 wickets, uh, an average of 21. <laughs> Let me yeah. say that again for you 21. Yeah. Uh, again, played in an era where New Zealand were, were not strong. There was not a lot of depth behind them. There was maybe, you know, two or three other players that you would say were genuine international quality when you're comparing them to some of those people in the rest of the world. And this guy, just through sheer force of will, would keep um, New Zealand in games. And then we go to the other side, um, 450 is an average of 21, strike rate of 75. And when you start your career in 1973 and ended in 1990, 75 is good going for a tailender. Oh, yeah. This is a guy that came out and knew his job and did it well. Yeah. Um, so, like, we all thought Brett Lee was pretty handy. I don't think Brett Lee averages 21 or 22 with the bat when, in the one day. So, um, yeah. Next. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel Vittori. Um, yeah. All-time leading wicket-taker in one-day internationals for New Zealand. 295 matches. Uh, 305 wickets, average of 31, and best of five for seven. He was on fire that day. Um, his batting isn't as prolific as what it is in the um, in, test in test matches. Uh, we know he can hold a stick, but uh, 17 he averages, 450s, highest of 83. 
Um, but he's batting at nine, folks. And his strike rate is, you know, in the mid eighties. Yeah. So you know he's going to come in and just go. And mind you, he was a he was a rubbish bat when he started, yeah. which is all going to be taken into account. Like he improved a lot. I reckon if you just if you did his numbers in the last twenty, yeah. even you know. Five years or six years of his career. Ten years of his career, yeah. it'll be a lot different. Um, but, you know, if you've got him coming at nine, striking at 80, and he knows what he needs to do, like, mm-hmm. yeah, there's probably. nothing wrong with that. Shane Bond. Uh, so what's that? That would be 10. That's 10. Right, so 11's going to be interesting because we've got a couple of bowlers to pick from there. But, yep, Shane Bond um, is definitely in that bunch again. Yeah, you thought uh, you thought Hadley's was impressive. Shane Bond, eighty matches, one hundred and forty-seven wickets at twenty, twenty point eight, six for nineteen, eleven times he took four wickets or more. He has a, a strike rate under thirty. Mm-hmm. The 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 world is a cruel, cruel place for robbing us of more Shane Bond. Yeah. Shane Bond is probably going to be in the discussions. I don't think he's going to quite make it. It will be interesting once we get a few of our other uh, other hosts here to have a really robust discussion. But I'm sure Shane Bond's name will come up when we do our all-time World eleven for a one-day international side. Those are powerfully impressive numbers. Yeah, they are. They are. And if anybody who's seen Shane Bond bowl, he scared people. Oh, he, he scared the very best batsman in the world at his he time. He was taking chunks out of the Australian cricket team when the Australian cricket team was bulletproof yeah. in that middle 2000s era. Yeah. No one, no one could touch the Australian batting lineup Except for Shane Bond. Shane Bond would, like Shane Bond's taken a hat-tricks twice. Two hat-tricks against Australia was just the one. Uh, it's one, I think. I don't remember the second one. I know the first one, but... Oh. <laughs> hat-trick, slow ball. Yeah. We we have it here. That's yeah. when we. That's from Shane Bourne yeah. knocking over people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 100%. Shane Bourne walks into this side. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's, it really is a shame that we didn't see more of Shane Bourne. Yeah. And we're now down to number 11. So we've oh, got think- a few names. I, I think we're probably going to end up on the same one. But I'm, I'm going to start with some guys for mine yeah. that didn't make my number 11 yeah. um, because I'm pretty sure we're landing on the same spot. Uh, Tim Southby yeah. just misses for me. Him, yeah. Uh, Southby. Really impressive, a career that's still going, mind you. 210 wickets, 33. Best of seven for 33. What a game that would have been. Um, a bit expensive, which is one of the things that sort of, for mine, kept him out of my squad going. at Just under six and over for his career is... Is a is, lot. Is, is a lot. It's yeah. not a T20. That's that's a lot. And it's a career that's gone for a while, so he's evolved with the game. Yeah. And he just... Uh, I don't know if I'd want him bowling my death overs. No. Uh, so I had him probably as... I had another quick, so he's probably my, my my third quick to come into the side. I have Kyle Mills was yeah. probably the next guy I was going to pick other yeah. than the guy I ha- currently have at 11. Yeah. It was a toss-up for me. We, look, he was certainly in the consideration. His record's outstanding. Um, the guy I've got at number 11 is... is um, oh, I've got one more. I've got one more almost made it. Yeah. For, so that's who I had. Kyle Mills, 240 wickets at 27. Uh, a strike rate of 34, uh, best of five for 25, nine times took four wickets or more. Very, very good player for New Zealand for a long time. The guy I had the next, as we'll, we'll say 12, it's not the 12th man, but yeah. he would have been the next guy I went to, Ewan Chatfield. Yeah. 
uh, which you know might be a name that surprises some people. Um, How about these numbers? Numbers are fantastic, guys. Like yeah. this is, you know, played in the the, the late 70s through to the late 80s. He was Richard Hadley's one and only trusty sidekick of the ball. Yeah. And that was it. There was in, in both test matches and one day, there was Hadley, then there was Chatfield, and then there was Take Your Pick. Yeah. You got through you got through Hadley, you got through Chatfield, you were scoring runs. Yeah, pretty much. Chatfield, 140 wickets, 25.84, four four wicket wall, hauls, one five wicket haul. Um, you know, not really anything to write home with the bat. He did hit uh, six fours throughout his <laughs> 114 matches. Yeah. But yeah, he was there to bowl. Um, really, like I it's one of those guys that you never know, you're not required to really pay a lot of attention to. So until I came in like I knew he was, you know, he was the right hand man. He yeah. was the, you know, he was Hadley's, he's Hadley's, you know, Robin to Hadley's Batman. But until you actually go and look into the deep dive on some of this, you go, actually, he's a damn good player. Yeah. Um, so he would have been the guy I would have picked next. Uh, I think for those of you that are listening at home, you can probably figure out where we've both gone for our number 11. The world's best number 11, of course. <laughs> the world's best number 11, and that is Trent Bolt. Yeah. 187 wickets, 23 is his average, 7 for 34 are his best numbers. He's uh-huh. gone past four wickets 15 times. Again, a strike rate under tw- under 30. Um, we don't need to talk about his batting because it's not really worth mentioning. Yeah. He'll, he'll swing a stick. Yeah. He'll swing a stick. Yeah. Um, if we were, if we were relying on Trent Bolt to make some runs in that scene, then they've had a real bad day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm pretty happy with that. Unless you've got anything you want to add. We were always sort of, there was these grey areas that I figured we were going to have to flesh out. But um, I was quite happy to go with with, um, Astral at top um, and more than happy to, you know, you got to have Shane Bond in the team. Absolutely. You know, there's this thing. He was honestly, he was the third guy I had picked. It was, yeah. it went McCullum, it went Hadley, it went. Um, I was Bond. something like that. I was um, McCullum, Williamson, Taylor, Hadley, Bond. That was my first five, according to the list I've written down here. So, uh, yeah. so just running through that side again for all of you that have been paying attention, we've got Bren McCullum as captain and wicketkeeper at the top of the order. Nathan Astell is his partner. Kane Williamson is at three. Martin Crow is at four. Ross Taylor is at five. Chris Cairns is at six. Jacob Orham at seven. Richard Hadley at eight. Daniel Vittori at nine. Shane Bond at ten. And Trent Bolt. Beats out quite a few very worthy uh, yeah. alternatives to get into that number eleven spot. Yeah. I don't think we could really like go away from Bolt for that number eleven spot with what he brings to the team. You know, he's the left arm. He swings the ball. Um, he's a great fielder as well. Everybody forgets he's an absolutely brilliant fieldsman. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, when you throw all of those things in together, he was just a little bit more than what the other number 11s could offer us. Right. Done. Another one done. Uh, thank you very much for indulging us for this episode. Uh, we've only got a few left to go. Uh, unless I've forgotten some, I believe we've just got four more, including our World Eleven side. Uh, so we're going to do Bangladesh next, yeah. which is a team that, um, you know, while they've struggled mightily at the Test Arena, they've they've grown into at points, especially with some of the, you know, not quite the new generation, but sort of that previous generation into a side that 
was certainly capable of hanging with the big boys and in one day international they cricket. Are from, they, on their day, are a formidable team. Yeah. They really are. So uh, Bangladesh is who we're going to cover next. I imagine that one to be a little bit more straightforward as they didn't start until... Early 80s. Oh, they were. That's right. One, they played yeah. in the... Bit bit long, longer in one day cricket than they did in test. Yeah. Test cricket one was pretty straightforward because they only yeah. arrived in the year two thousand. So yeah. I'll take that back. It might not be as uh, as yeah. straightforward as I imagined, but uh, there are some definitely some good names in that Bangladesh side for sure. Uh, so we'll get that out of the way, and then I believe that leaves uh, India the hosts, and then Australia, who I, I know is going to be fun for <laughs> for all of us. I I still haven't narrowed down to an eleven. I think I've got about eighteen. I've got my on my list of yeah. I've narrowed it to that, and then it's Look, trying to split hairs. I, I, yeah, yeah, it's about the splitting the hairs. I think we pretty much know at least three or four certainties for that team. Um, don't need to go into them now, but we'll talk about that at the appropriate time. And then after that, we'll finish off with our world. 11 leading into the world leading cup. into the world cup with that will be a fun one there are going to be some there are going to be some discussions there we're going to try and get as many on as we can as well hopefully we'll have um Townie back and glenn should be here if he's not here we're really going to be asking questions about that yeah oh, he'll rock up for the yeah, world he'll be here for the world all right guys thank you very much for joining us tonight we've got uh, plenty of cricket still coming this way the uh, the march to the world cup continues on the Australians are playing a white ball tournament. Uh, it's it's all happening. We're getting ready for very the big bash draft is not too far the away. Smell of the smell of cricket is in the air, yeah. folks. Oh yeah, it was bright and sunny the last couple of days here. That's it's coming. Uh, Summer's until, on its way. Hailed later on this afternoon, but anyway. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, enjoy your week. We'll be back next week with more cricketing goodness. But until then, bye for now. Over. Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.